I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Bernadine Ivaristo is the author of Manifesto on Never Giving Up. She is the 2019 winner of the Booker Prize for Girl, Woman, Other, which was a number one national bestseller and winner and finalist of many awards, including the Women's Prize for Fiction and the Dublin Literary Award. Ivory Stowe is the author of eight other books that explore aspects of the African diaspora. Her writing spans verse, fiction, short fiction, poetry, essays, literary criticism, and drama. Ivory Stowe is professor of creative writing at Brunel University, London, an honorary fellow of St. Anne's College, University of Oxford, and vice president of the Royal Society of Literature. She received an OB in 2020 and lives in London with her husband. Her most recent book is Manifesto. Welcome, Bernadine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Manifesto on Never Giving Up. Thank you. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. Say hello now. (laughs) Okay. Welcome. Thank you so much. Your first book, obviously, or your last book, I should say, Girl, Woman, Other, was such a huge hit, and you were kind enough to then take readers in and show them how you got to that point in your life, what your life was like, which was so fascinating, the whole journey, your parent, like everything. Tell us a little about why you decided to write this. I'm sure people were very curious, but you didn't have to do it. <laughs> so explain the impetus and what it was like going back through time and reliving some of these experiences and all that. 
Yes. Well, I, you know, when I won the booker, I was 60 years old. So I'd already had, you know, quite a long life. <laughs> and I realized that even though I had, you know, I wasn't unknown as a writer in, in Britain, I wasn't really known very widely and I wasn't known around the world. And so a lot of people were introduced to me when I won the booker. And it was like, they were then very interested in who I was and what my background was and so on. So I found myself talking a lot about myself in interviews that, that well, actually almost continue through to today. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't really stopped. solved your problem. Look, we're right here. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't really stopped, but also the book is published, Go Woman and Others published in lots of languages and they all want interviews and so on. So I just got very used to talking about myself in, in great, depth and detail and I then had to think about what the next book was going to be and I thought I think I want to create a record of my life up to this point and rather than write another novel and I was also sort of dodging the bullet of the set the the next novel because you know <laughs> Girl Another was very successful and people might want more of the same or you know anyway I, I didn't really want to have to engage with fiction so I thought writing a memoir would be a really good thing to do and it's not really a I mean I call it a memoir and a meditation not to put anybody off but uh, I, it's not strictly a memoir where I say this is where it began and this is the journey of my life. It's looking at my creativity and how my life has been shaped by it and my creativity has been shaped by my life going back to my childhood. So, so that really was the thinking behind it. I love that. I so love it. There was a passage in the beginning where you talked about what you were like as a young reader. And you said, an avid reader since my early childhood, it was here in the solitude of my room that I started to write poems, discovering a relationship between what I was feeling and the power of words to articulate it through poetry. So tell me about starting starting your poetry career as a young child. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, a, I was a young woman because I didn't really write until I was about 19. When I went to drama school and I was in a, on a course where we were there to create our own theatre. So we were trained as actors, but we we're also creating our own theatre. And I discovered that when I started writing for theatre, it came out as poetry. And it felt like that was my natural means of expression. And I was also reading poetry. I loved poetry. I've been reading poetry since my teenage years. And it just felt like this was how I wanted to express myself. But when I when I started writing, I was completely unable to change a single word of anything that I wrote. But I think about that now because we know that writing is rewriting. And as a writer, very quickly, you have to learn that the, th the, the first sort of, you know, the first words that you put on a page are going to be changed and rearranged and, you know, may not even appear in the final version of a poem, for example. But at that stage, I, I was so attached to what I was writing and it was so personal that I could only write one draft of a poem. Now I might write, you know, 40, 50 drafts oh my gosh. Of, a, of a piece of writing. And a, a book will, will typically go through anything from three to five, maybe even six drafts, right? Whole drafts, a whole book. So it really is a very big enterprise, you know, just shaping something so that it's just right before it reaches the reader. But in those early years, yeah, poetry was my thing. And I was, I still am, I suppose, a poet in some ways. I don't really see myself as a poet that I was because I started writing poetry and I started writing poetry, what I called it, verse drama for theatre. And then I wrote verse novels. My first two books were verse novels until eventually I, I ended up writing more straightforward fiction. But but even Girl, Woman, Other is a, is an, I call it a fusion fiction. So 
you know, I'm somebody who mucks about with form quite a lot, but the but poetry is still there inside me. It won't let me go, even though I try to get rid of it. <laughs> Can't take the poet out of the girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And then I just wanted to jump to a passage at the end where you said, I am first and foremost a writer. The written word is how I process everything, myself, life, society, history, politics. It's not just a job or a passion, but it is at the very heart of how I exist in the world. And I am addicted to the adventure of storytelling as my most powerful means of communication. To quote from Zuleika in The Emperor's Babe, this is my legacy, to leave a whisper of myself in the world, my ghost of magna opera of words. I love that. that. That's it, you know. It's a, I've been writing so long now, starting writing seriously at drama school when I was a young woman, and for over 40 years since, that it's hard to imagine a life where I'm not writing. And I know that a lot of people, people have, people have to go out to work, we have to earn a living. And some of us, you know, choose a vocation rather than a simple job. You know, it's something that we feel really, really passionately about, as I mean, most writers I would suggest probably do. And for me, it's something that I will be doing, hopefully, if my, you know, mental facilities enable me to until the day I die, because it is how I process life. And I'm a storyteller. And I I think in terms of, you know, I suppose when I'm daydreaming, I'm thinking in terms of the kinds of stories I want to tell. And I also like the fact that as a writer, you get to have this massive, hopefully, platform where people are, are, are experiencing your ideas, your characters, your narratives, and that they are, they are coming into your world, you know, and seeing the world through your perspective. And that's quite an exhilarating thing to think about, you know. So it's to me, it's absolutely integral to me as a human being. And I can't imagine it not being there. And when you when you write, are you did you always write? Do you like to type? Do you like to write freehand? Do you like if you have a funny thought or an interesting thought during the day, are you gonna do you write it in notes? Like are you a scribbler? What's your style? Yes, I don't really take notes very often. I know people who do, you know, who are always getting out their notebook to, to jot things down. I wish I could do that because I think there are a lot of things that I forget. But I I type directly onto a computer. And that's how I've been working now for about 20 plus years. But before then, I would write by hand and then put it onto the computer. So I, and that was when I was writing verse novels. And it's much, I think it's it's better to write verse uh, poetry by hand. So I would write by hand, put it onto the computer. And then way before then, when I first started writing, it would just be by hand. Now, when you're when I'm writing a novel and go on another was 120,000 words, I just don't know how anybody could write that by hand. <laughs> no. You know, I mean, people do. Some people do, ago. though. Some people do. It's crazy, but they do. That's right. And some people still do, yeah. which I find incredible because I'm just so used to delete, cut, paste, mm-hmm. copy. You know, I that facility that could, that computers have given us. I, I don't know how I could write long form fiction without it or even, you know, even um, any kind of long form nonfiction because you can just get things out and then make it right later. Whereas when you're writing by hand, I saw Charles Dickens, it was Nicholas Nickleby, the original manuscript of Nicholas Nicholas Nickleby, which is in the Victorian Albert Museum. And I had a look at it about two months ago. And it was so interesting because, of course, it's all handwritten and you see all his, his notes, you know, but not a lot of notes. And I think, I think 
you know, for people of, of his generation and, and, you know, for the basically the whole of the period that people were writing by hand, I think you probably process your thoughts in a much more ordered fashion and probably give a lot more thought to them because you know that you don't have much. It's going to be a hassle having mm-hmm. to rewrite things, whereas now it doesn't matter really, does it? Um, we can be a bit scrappy because we know we can tie to get up. I wonder if literature would have been better or worse or the same net result if they, if you know, if we had given Dickens a computer and said, here, use the cut and paste feature. Oh, my <laughs> God. I think he would have probably been even more prolific. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But better. Someone should do that. Someone should take yeah. like great expectations and say, but this is the version if he had been able to write it on a computer and cut and paste it. <laughs> It's interesting because when you're writing on a computer as well, you you have access to very easy access to different words, you know, to to synonyms and thesaurus and so on. So I don't think a thesaurus existed during Dickens's time. So you would just have had a dictionary, I guess. Yeah, there there, there would definitely have been limitations. Yeah, but perhaps yeah, I don't know really. It's hard yeah. to question, isn't it? But um, it's an interesting one. It is interesting. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Do you ever get tired of talking about girl, woman, other? Do you ever want to be like, I don't want to talk about this book ever again? I'm tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I, I think I literally have given about, and I'm, I kid you not, because I was counting at one point, about 400 interviews, sometimes many in a single day, because especially during lockdown, you know, during lockdown, I would do like maybe four countries in a day at four different festivals. Oh my gosh. I would, I would be like in Brazil, <laughs> then in Italy, then in, I don't know, Australia, and then in France. You know, and because it was so doable, wasn't it? All via Zoom. So I really, really have talked about girl, woman, other a lot. <laughs> a lot. I don't want to be ungrateful. No, I know. I know. You no, know, because I'm in a luxurious position now as a writer in that people do want to talk to me about my work. Right. And I know what it was like for a very long time where, you know, I would have loved to have this attention. So but the honest answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> well, at least at least now you have a new a new book. <laughs> yes. You can yes. just deflect the conversation and <laughs> make <That's> new ones. <laughs> While you're busy at work on different books like this one are you reading all the time yourself and if so like what do you love to read while you're working and are you one of those people who can't read of the genre that you're writing in or do you just read whatever all the time yeah I've gone through different stages where I have felt that I can't read fiction when I'm writing fiction but mm-hmm. then I realized at some point that I'm writing fiction all the time so that means <laughs> I don't read ever <laughs> so I had to get I had to get over that one Actually, the the problem for me, I mean, I love reading, obviously. I mean, you know, I've been reading since I was a little child. From from the moment I was able to go to the library on my own, I would go and get books. And it was, you know, it was the world. Reading was the world to me, literally. You know, I I engage with the, the wider world through reading as a child. But as an adult... Somebody who is, you know, I'm a professor at university. I have been a a book critic. I I judge prizes. I chaired the Women's Prize last year. And I know a lot of writers. So that means that my reading is not as free as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, is more the issue. That years ago, in my 20s and 30s in particular, I would be able to just pick up a book any old book that I wanted to read, if I, I'd read it, and if I didn't like it, I wouldn't finish it. And I wouldn't even probably have a discussion with anyone about it. Whereas now I have to read for all these different activities, especially judging prizes, you know, when maybe at one prize I judged 200 books turned up. Wow. I wanted to kill myself, seriously. <laughs> Why did I say yes to this when all these books filled up my house, right? It was terrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you kind of have to read them in order to talk about them. You can't pretend to have read them kind of thing. So that was a nightmare. So, yeah, it's more about finding books that really, really inspire me because that then nurtures my imagination and nurtures my own reading rather than the kind of duty books that I have to read. Two books that I've read recently that I, I really loved, and I know I'm really late to reading this writer, but Anne Patchett, yeah. The Dutch House. We were, we were on some lists together so I started to pay attention to her and then I thought let me get this book and I absolutely loved it I was like oh this is a discovery <laughs> and I know that I'm probably 40 years too late but and I'm going to be reading more of her work but I, I just relished it and when I when I read a book that I love it is the most pleasurable experience you know I, I look forward to returning to it to curling up on my own reading at leisure getting so much pleasure from it and and just feeling kind of fulfilled 
by someone else's skill and imagination. The other book I read recently that I, and it's my first book of his that I also thought was really powerful, was The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, who mm-hmm. I, I know they're huge writers in America, aren't they? And I just thought that packed such a powerful punch. And it's a short book, but it, le- it left such a strong aftertaste, you know, and it was so shocking and horrifying, but just so brilliantly explored. So those are those are two writers who, yeah, are definitely very fresh in my mind. I love the idea of a book leaving a strong aftertaste. That's yes. I love that. That's a great way to describe it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. some books I read and I'm like, this was so powerful. Like whatever I read next is not going to be even close. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I'm so moved that I can't possibly. You know, it's like being in a in a very heated relationship and then like going on your next date and you're like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, True. but yes. yes. Book, Books are amazing. So what are you working on now? Can you even say? I'm working on a theatre piece, actually, which I can't talk too much about. But I I began in theatre and I've kind of returned to writing a little bit for theatre. Theatre was my first love. I was an actor to begin with. And I love love theatre. I go a lot and I love theatre people, actually. And I miss the sort of the creative process of being in a theatre company and the collaboration and just the energy of actors in particular. Because, you know, when actors get drunk, they often become really extrovert and wild and crazy. And I love all that. Whereas writers, when they get drunk, get very quiet and morose and even more more melancholy. And it's not such fun. You know, and I I miss I miss the performance of the theater of theater people. Um, But anyway, that's not why I'm writing, but I do I do like the whole I do like the whole culture around theater. And um, so I have a piece that um, has been commissioned. I can't say any more than that, but I have to deliver it very soon. So I better get on with it. I love it. You're basically writing so you have more fun parties, right? That's really yeah. what it comes down to. So, you know, yeah, that's hilarious. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I'm sure you've been asked this a trillion times, but I don't know, yeah. make something up yeah. that's, or something that you haven't said before. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's so much to say to aspiring authors. Authors, the first thing to do is do it. You know, a lot of people want to write and they don't actually do it. Go join a class. You know, so many classes around these days for people to join, to to have a taste of it and see if they want to do it. I think reading is as much about writing as writing. So if you're writing books, then you need to read. You know, if you're writing nonfiction, read nonfiction. If you're writing fiction, read fiction. If you're writing poetry, read poetry. But then read everything as well because it's, it's the equivalent of musicians not listening to music. So if you want to be a writer and you don't read, you are like a musician who doesn't listen to music. And that is a very stark analogy, isn't it? Because if you don't listen to music, how can you create it other than very rudimentary kind of work? So I became a writer through reading. So I always say to my students, you've got to read. Unfortunately, they have a lot of competition with reading these days, right? Because yeah. they have this thing called the internet <laughs> and, and smartphones. And so they are, it's like, oh, I, I, I despair really. You know, you have students studying creative writing who don't want to read. And you know that they, when they come in bedraggled, you know, at half an hour late for the class, that they've been up doing this TikTok thing or, you know, whatever it is they're doing. I don't know. I dread to think on the internet. So especially for any young people listening, you need to read. And if you find you ha- you can't concentrate, it will get better. You just have to persist with it until you can devote an hour, two hours, three hours to, 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 to reading something. And I guess the third thing is 
you will find your own voice and your own style eventually. But don't expect to win the Nobel Prize with the first thing you ever write, right? Because it is going to be rough. But you will develop your skills and your craft over years. And then eventually, hopefully, you'll, you'll be published. Some people get there sooner than others, but it doesn't matter. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just follow your own kind of path. And you will find your own your own style, you know, and, and that is often something that people feel they haven't got, but, but it develops over time. It may not be a particularly literary style, but you will find the kinds of stories you want to tell and the way you want to tell them that, first of all, has to kind of satisfy you and then the reader. Because if, you're, if you hate your own work, um, it's very likely the reader will too. So that's not a very good start. So, you know, find, <laughs> find your own way in so that you find it rewarding and then get the feedback that you need and so on to grow and develop. If you hate your own writing, don't have high expectations. Back to Dickens. Lower your expectations. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Bernadine. Well, thank welcome. you for coming on. I'm sorry again for coming on late. And I'm looking forward to hearing what your theater reveal will be. So that's yes. exciting. Thank bye. you very much. Okay. Have a great okay, day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.